welcome to the Desi Sportscast. And as you can see, we've got the main person on the uh, screen. Uh, we have to start with him because this show is all about Nevin, and there's a reason why his name's on the show because it, it, this is uh, a, talking football, and there's nobody more better person that I like talking football with on a weekend. That's Nevin. Nevin, hello, my friend. How are you? All good, Bharat. Can't complain. It's extremely hot for December. Oh, don't uh, mention the I'm, weather. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm rubbing it in, but in, in a sad way. I wish it was more colder. It's just... No, it's you like don't. I'm sitting here and it's just like hot waves coming. My, uh, I switched on the fan and you're sort of forced to put on the AC because it's that hot here. Is that unusual for this time of year? I think it is quite unusual. And it's been a very strange year because it just kept raining up till December. And then it's just heat in December. Just climate change is very real, everyone. Yeah, it's funny you should say that when I was in Gujarat for that short period. It actually rained one day, which it never happens that time of year. But this year, I mean, even here, we had uh, snow two weeks back that lasted for about three days. We've had two storms already. And people in some parts have not had electricity, even in this country, a Western country, for about two weeks. And you can imagine, but it's been very, very cold. It's not bad today. Thankfully, uh, because the last yeah, I can see, I can see like a lot of sunlight on your face. So it's not that there's no sunlight; it's very cloudy. I think it's just I'm sitting in front of a window. So, okay, but um, it just I think the last time we spoke, I went to the uh, King Power uh, against Watford. I don't know if you saw the pictures. Uh, the no, pitch was completely covered in snow. Oh yes, yes, yeah, oh, yes, yes, yes. I did. They had to stop the game to uh, get the markings out. It, I've not been to a game that I was so cold at for a long, long time. Um, yeah, but, it doesn't happen in the UK as much as it does in those Russia and all that. The yeah, storming yeah. Matches. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we thought it was going to be stopped because it, it was really, first half was fine, it but was then late. it started. Uh, and um, it wasn't a Burnley match. That was uh, called out. Yeah. yeah, but they, they had the snow before kickoff so that they made it this an hour started um, halfway through the first half and it just carried on non-stop and uh, yeah it was um, it was a tough watch well it wasn't I, a tough I, watch I mean to, in my weak defense I've also attended a few very cold matches in Minerva um, not course. as cold yeah, yeah. but like uh, I do, and sometimes it rains as well so it's like uh, 5 degree 8 degree and it rains it's just the an awful god awful experience i don't want to i don't want to even think about it it's just cold and sad and dark it's well just... i'll t to tell you how cold it was i had a hot drink rather than a beer which is the normal thing <laughs> at a football <laughs> yeah. football game that's how cold it was but uh, it was very much needed uh, but at least the result went for us and we'll talk about Leicester no doubt a little bit later but how's your week been it's been good um... A lot of meetings, a lot of networking. It's more to do with ARPO, the, the uh, archive and uh, um, history project that I'm up to these days. So, um, been meeting a lot of people, a little bit of travel as well. Um, and I'm also shooting a documentary for Kalpanda finally. So, that's that's also going on. Brilliant. So, yeah. So, and he was as good. usual, active. Another shout out to Vuvuzela. The latest uh, newsletter was out uh, this week and really good read. Um, and I'm glad uh, one of the cats has made a guest appearance as oh. always. It wouldn't be right now moving forward in every show if that didn't happen. The, the other one's sleeping here. Oh, they're both keeping you company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they now totally at home now? Yeah, I'm sure. Thank With you. yourself? 
they've got themselves. That's I think the biggest advantage. I think if anybody is planning to adopt a cat, get two because I think it helps them keep company, and I think it helps in the learning process as well. I've seen that happen. Somebody picks up a trait, the other one follows. So really, it's it's, it's nice to observe. I think I'm slowly becoming all parent mode. You're very proud <laughs> of my kids. Um, I just wanted to ask you. A question on the back of the uh, Vuvuzela uh, article about uh, football and uh, how big it is. And for somebody from out, well, not from India, everybody, in, most people in India will know probably. But for me, I thought Kerala all over was about football. Uh, but you mentioned the fact that it's particularly in Trishur where everybody, it, you know. Trishur has been some sort of a hotbed. Um, it's probably down to culture, down to access to grounds and so many uh, multiple reasons, but to say football is restricted to the show is sort of uh, you know not not true. But I'll say that the likes of the biggest footballers that have come from the state are from the show. I am Jan, Joe Paul, Victor Mandela, all of them are from the show. Uh, even Bino uh, Coach, Bino Paul, who's a former co- coach of Gokulam uh, uh, Kerala, all of them are from the show. So. It, it's about culture as well, right? You have a hero to look up, look up to, and then there's somebody following, um, and uh, so I think that's that's the biggest uh, factor. And they had like a good corporation stadium where a lot of these uh, football matches, including a very prestigious trophy called Chakola's Trophy, that used to be like one of the most sought-after football trophy in Kerala, and that used to happen in Trishur. Uh, so. So I think a lot of these factors added up. Malabar has always been known for football. So that is Trishur and Northwards have always had football. Malappuram is seen as the home of football where a lot of sevens football happens. And as you know from works that I have done as well, back uh, south in Kovalam and in, in, the, in the coast of Trivandrum, there's a lot of football happening there as well. So football is there. Uh, but general impression is that as we go southwards, there's more cricket. But... Uh, as you know, true to football's tagline of being a sport for all, I think you see that in say lower middle class spaces, lower class spaces, football is a more prominent game, and I think that's a more expressive sport and, uh, than and than cricket, which is still at the end of the day you require a bat, you require like a few investment here and there and all that. So, and obviously you talk about the. I was going to say the heyday, that's probably the wrong word, in the 50s and 60s and 70s and right up to the 80s. Are you seeing a change now in terms of the popularity or the participation in football or interest in football after ISL? I don't think ISL has changed things around. Uh, that will be taking too much credit, especially in Kerala. I can only speak about Kerala. Um, of course, Kerala Blasters is massive. I think it has given a different dimension to football in terms of purchasing capacity, about uh, recognizing a brand, all that stuff has happened. In terms of actual football, I don't think it's uh, done a lot because we were already big football fans. Um, there are very few tournaments in Mal- Malapuram, Malabar area where uh, it's not full house when it's like a 9pm kickoff for a 7th tournament at least. So, uh, football interest has always been there. I think Kerala Blasters has managed to scale it up a little in terms of bringing all these tournaments to one venue. But the love has always been there. And I might, in fact, argue that in 2021, our love has sort of transformed from 
uh, say the 80s because in 80s and 90s or 70s people were actually going to these tournaments. There's no broadcast, there's no mm. Facebook Live or anything happening. So it really was that thing to look forward to in the evenings. Everybody just went. A lot of women used to go. And uh, so there's a shift in the consumption pattern as well. I think ISL and everything is sort of said, hey, today now I can sit in the home evening. Mm. After work, I can grab a beer or like cook my lunch, cook my dinner, whatever, and uh, watch a match as opposed to going and seeing those tournaments. So the, the consumption pattern has changed a little, but I think the football, the love of football is sort of, it's a flat curve. Yeah, the reason I ask is that obviously um, to sustain the interest and get continue that young people playing and uh, supporting local clubs, and it's down quite a bit to success. But obviously um, now, back in the day, like you said, there was no live coverage and people had to attend stadiums or play, and now there's a wide range of sports available. I'm just trying to use the analogy of West Indies cricket where it's gone downhill because of other sports taking over, the lack of success. So I'm just thinking with Kerala being such a hotbed of football, if there was that slight change in young people's thinking behind the sport. Uh, Yeah, I mean, see, I'm not qualified to make an assumption per se, but like just judging by what we see, of course, there are more options out there. So that means we are, uh, you know, we are looking at different avenues. Uh, But also in terms of footballer, the options are very limited. Uh, it's a very strange thing to say because if you have decided on football, you're literally saying you need to make it to the I-League or make it to the um, ISL or you have the option of playing that occasional sevens matches and having another vocation and then playing uh, sevens in the evening. So that's that's still the option and that was the option long time back and I would say, uh, I'd, I'd um, say even early 90s or 80s or 70s, there were at least 25 top tournaments happening in Kerala, which included the likes of Mohan Bagan and East Bengal traveling all the way to West. Like, they would also take part. So we had like really like Nagji, Chakolas, uh, so many of these very top tournaments happening in Kerala, which meant more opportunities to play 11th football. Now, I think for a, a 11th footballer, the only route is to, you know, play Kerala Football League, uh, um, Kerala Premier League, and then that is what? A month long maybe and that that's the only uh, football that person gets for like a entire year and if you're lucky enough you get into the second division second division is a joke these days because it's like a qualification it, tournament it's like another one month long it is every, in and, all the aspects of indian football exactly yeah and then you need to make it to an i league which is also a loss of sheen and it's not it's no longer the quality that we associate i league with even say i think three four years back it was still better quality than what it is today um and then there is the isl if you make it that's that great but how many makes it it's just uh, 10 teams and you see a lot of politics there as well in terms of who makes it so it's a it's a very tricky uh, time to be a footballer the reason i was asking about uh, the state of football now in kerala and you mentioned the kerala premier league was on the back of the news from chennai fc and it's something that let's be let's be fair once again you gave us the heads up on this um this year this, this there was rumblings you'd heard rumors and well more than rumors actually and it's come to fruition and the state federation is taking a lot of stick for this in terms of why it's come to this and it seems to me that this is going to be a downward spiral for football in that part of it, South India. 
or it's it could spark a revolution it's it's this or that because um, if people um, you know especially fans come out and say enough is enough you needed some sense of accountability for like let's what? face it you know i know a small club yeah uh, they're like former i league winners yeah and uh, in fact they've got interesting dynamics because they were sort of forced out of chennai because of the bureaucracy oh, there yeah. they went to coimbatore they had a tie there but i would also like to put it on air that it's not very one sided that a poor club had to go away because you know because of the government there are faults with chennai as well uh, from what i read in a report recently on times of india that chennai has not kept their end of the promise when it comes to the smart city project in coimbatore so they had like a uh, a deal there and apparently chennai didn't again i'm just quoting the the report and i'm not taking any sides here and i've also like through my sources covered a lot of uh, internal issues with the club as well in terms of uh, salaries in terms of uh, other things so there were issues within the club as well so maybe they also used this as an opportunity to anyway we wanted to wrap up why don't we use why don't we put the blame on tamil nadu government and then uh sorry tamil nadu football association and then sort of uh, jump ship so it's clearly not as one sided as people claim it to be of course there is no two ways about it there is a lot of fault with tnfa and they need to improve they because look at that state look at how the women's team is performing well this They're is so what i was leading to that yeah, uh, so have... women's football is amazing you have clubs like sethu fc who been like turning out really good foot women footballers chennai city was doing its job like if you forget what is happening inside they were really promoting a lot of uh, youngsters from tamil nadu uh, but i think we did uh, highlight this in a, one of the bubusella issues as well the this problem started with chennai league shutting down mm-hmm. so now that's a very prominent league that gave opportunity to so many footballers and the fact that it's not happening because of i mean uh, it might not be the right word but it's i think at the end of the day as simple as an ego issue you know two sides uh, refusing to bow down and um, you know when when animals fight they just hiss for a long time so this is just been hissing you know two people just hissing at each other for the longest time i'm just saying take a bite at least you know so that <laughs> we get an end product you know just stop doing this face off forever and um, if if chennai is so confident say that we're going to start a rebel league or whatever because players is desperate to play football they, that's what they've uh, always wanted that's that's their career and to not have it for so many years so many people have retired uh, we did highlight somebody like i think regin uh, regan regan uh, and regan was i think top scorer for tamil nadu for a lot of these under trophy we talk footballers saying that we are no longer fit because there's no football we don't know what to do with our career some of them have jobs they they still settled yeah. but but that's not what they wanted to be as well right okay there's a job but they're a footballer at the end of the day they want to play the game and promote um, you know their young ones to also pick it up but how can they do that when they are not playing football themselves so it's but it's very sad what's happening you, you mentioned there could be a revolution but um, when it comes to sports federations in india i don't think any rebel league has ever succeeded or any revolution has succeeded and that's the sad fact isn't it it is it is uh, i mean uh, it's very easy for me to say that we need a the revolution or a rebellion um i say it because sometimes that rebellion might shut down but that will spark a change i mean to be very honest uh, whatever lalit modi or bcsci says 
is the ISL that uh, ICL that inspired the IPL, right? There yeah. was a rebel league, and then suddenly, wow, this seems like a nice idea. Why don't we copy it? And suddenly, there's the IPL. So it might require. I think, uh, from what I know, there is some rebel league happening in Pune. There seems to be taking shape. So, uh, but that'll be like in a turf form or something. But there is a there are two fractions developing up, uh, developing up in uh, in Pune. Um, so, and, and it is down to the fact that they are not happy with the football system. There are so many clubs have shut down, and Pune has had so many clubs in the last twenty years. It's ridiculous that none of them have succeeded. So, there seems to be um, a rebellion or like a revolt happening. But then you also sit and question the credentials of people in charge of the rebellion, what they've got in stake here. And you know, and then you look at it and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe football is lost somewhere between the devil and the dead sea. You know, it's just... you, working in, well, not working, but observing Indian football. Do you become really cynical in the sense that everybody, not everybody, but if people start up these sort of. I, I'm sure. I mean, you you've known me for what, two years now. I'm sure you know that I'm like a super cynic, and I think. Uh, <laughs> Ulterior the motives. Other day, the other day, I was uh, telling. Uh, um, somebody in a whatsapp group that if they ever invent that machine from eternal sunshine where they erase the memory i'm going to go enroll and just send them take off indian football from it. Like, i don't want to know anything i don't want to be involved at all because sometimes it's ridiculous the other day i'm sorry uh, that i'm sort of changing topics but uh Chante reacted to a question from a reporter and the, uh, the reporter had asked uh, um, if he was shooting instead of passing and passing instead of shooting, basically asking if his decision making was right. And Chante wasn't very happy. He said, I'm one of the most uh, highest scoring midfielders. So that ends there. For me, that's a very normal press conference. Uh, I don't blame the reporter, nor do I blame the uh, player because the player is also entitled to his opinion. So that's fine. But then what I saw on Twitter really irked me. A lot of people saying Indian journalists should just stick to journalism and not teach football. And of course, maybe the question can be worded a little right. But people were calling for censorship. People were calling calling this borderline harassment of footballers. And that's when you realize, hello, you've created this ecosystem. That only way to exist as a journalist, I don't even call that a journalist, but the only way to exist as a journalist is you not asking a question. I was so upset that somebody commented. I said, like, okay, from next time onwards, we'll ask the player what his favorite food is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what else do you want me to ask? And also remember the fact that India, in a press conference, there are multiple language reporters attending. So their the framing of their English question might not be the right. The yeah, right English way. isn't the uh, first language. Exactly. For anyone, even yeah. English reporters. Exactly. And we might like we might ask in a particular way, but the moment we put it in a copy, we will rephrase it because we realize okay, maybe the tone was not right. Again, I'm not blaming Changte for his response, but we need to be as an audience mature about it, right? And what you see just makes you really agitated at some point. Like everybody's calling for a journalist head, like how dare he? I don't know. What else? I mean, he never said that you know Changte should be kicked out of the team. Changte should Changte should not play football ever. He just asked a very legit point, right? So. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very... It's, it's a very systematic though, isn't it? It's something we spoke it's about a few weeks ago that um, people jump on uh, innocent sort of questions and uh, yeah. just... Um, and uh, see, I can understand the management doing it. I can understand FSDL not wanting to be questioned. What surprises... 
What surprises me is that all of these people who go on, for example, the example you use, having a go at that uh, reporter, we know for a fact they watch EPL, uh, they watch other sports, and they see the journalists questioning the managers yeah. and what have you, but they think that's normal here, but that's not acceptable back home, as it were, which is Absolutely. a bit of a hypocrisy there that, uh, you know... Um, I, 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 I mean, I would put my uh, hand out and say that... Uh, I don't think Indian football journalism exists. I think I think that is the honest truth. There is no Indian football journalism. There are stenographers. There are uh, publicists PR agents. and promoters. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you bring that. It reminds me of um, when we had Nigel Pearson here, and you remember the confrontation he had with a journalist. Nigel Pearson yeah. had to apologize. He, he, a journalist is entitled to ask the question. Um, that is true. And I'm, I'm, see, I am a very human person. I can understand a coach or a, um, a player losing it also. That's completely fine. It's not like we are all trained to give the perfect, most diplomatic answer. I am okay with Chanke's answer. Yeah. I am yeah. not okay with the response, the public response. You have nothing at stake here. Like, it, it happened, it's a normal press conference, and that, that's it. I'm sure Chanke and the reporter will shake hands next time also. That's it. Mm. It's, it's, and you it's, make it an issue. It's See, again, uh, and this is the reason why you can't question a Chaitri. I love Chaitri. Okay? I have no problem with Chaitri. But imagine me wanting to write a critical piece saying, maybe Sunil Chaitri should not be played in this in this Bangalore side. Maybe Sunil Chaitri. I can't even imagine doing it. So, you know, it just feels like a sin to be doing it. And as a journalist, if I can't do it, yeah. what are we even doing? Right. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it will be like an opinion piece. I will try to back it up with facts and why, you know, uh, exactly. constructive. And that's what it, that's what the uh, aim is, but it's taken out of context and um, turned all the way around. And it's, yeah, it's something that's... Everything is a journalist's fault, you know. Yeah. He was not performing, the journalist is not writing it, right? Or, you know, it's, it's always made it like, you know, the journalist is the reason why, you know, the club is not looking great or... <laughs> it's not our duty to make the club look great, you know. It's it's really not. But what is what is looking good at the moment? And um, I think you alluded to last time we spoke that you were hoping to um, catch a few games in the state women's state championships. I don't know if you managed. Unfortunately, I couldn't. You because you of, didn't. Uh, bio bubbles, and um, I wanted to meet a few players and um, actually talk to them as well. But they had. They said they can, but it'll be a little, you know. Um, against the rules, and I said, like, let me not upset your rhythm during a tournament. So I said, like, we'll I don't know up. what the coverage was like back home, but uh, I was following. There were a couple of Facebook lives, and all I was following the tournament, and there was a couple of games on YouTube as well. I think uh, I didn't yeah. manage to catch them because of the timings here. Uh, but no surprise with the winners. Yeah, not at all. So it's just. Uh, uh, I mean, there are what I think three, four very good teams. Um, Tamil Nadu, Punjab, and maybe a couple of other teams here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, Manipur, of course. Um, and uh, so, so I mean, uh, for all these uh, teams to just keep doing it, it's it, it. I think we need to look at the structures there, in terms of there is the the police in Manipur, or uh, there is I think there is not a lot of structure in Tamil Nadu, but there is still the police team. 
uh, Punjab has been promoting in, in a few ways, and that's the reason why the girls are playing football in a in a decent way. And hopefully, we can implement that system at least. Forget leagues and everything else. Yeah. At least have like departmental teams promoting football in multiple states to at least make this more encouraging. Yeah. Otherwise, we know these uh, four or five teams are going to reach the semi-finals, and then on that day it might differ. One day Tamil Nadu is going to win, one day Manipur is going to win. Yeah, the other finals with railways again. Uh, you can see yeah. that they're promoting it. Railways is not jobs. a yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing I was going to ask you on the back of our conversation around Kerala and Tamil Nadu football is that I read somewhere that um, states shouldn't be allowed to field teams unless they have a state league. Um, the federation, the local state federation, should be that should be the first thing that they should be doing to entitle them to send teams to national level competitions. Um, is that? I mean, that's a two-edged sword, isn't it? Because one, the players could be, you know, affected by that in a big way, in the sense that they, because of their lack of federation interest, they can't attend national-level football. Where do you stand on that? Because there'll be a few, quite a few teams who will not be able to attend national-level tournaments. Or do you see federations then just doing know, a one-month no tournament? To, but there is no other way to go about it, right? So, as a Fed, as a All India Football Federation, you have to put these ground rules and expect the state federations. To but if the if the national federation holds a, a one month league for women, is that qualify as a league? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that way. It's a it's a I mean see, it's one thing to look at it from a national championship perspective where states and services are playing, and another thing to look at it from private teams. Like Oklahoma and C2 and all of them are playing. So, um, for um, IWL is played that way, right? So, it's a I, I, it's not a private league, but I'm saying like there are other teams being formed and there's no geographical restrictions to the teams as, as, as such. So, for that, I think you don't need to put any rule wherein uh, Gokulam needs to win the state league. If there is a league, uh, and Gokulam are the winners for it, then obviously, right? And if there is a league and somebody else has won it and Gokulam is getting it, then there is some... Either Gokulam has satisfied the uh, prerequisites for playing in a top league or it's unfair. So, at least there is that structure there to help them. Uh, but like for state championships, I think it's important that we have these kind of ground rules of, you know, you having a... Uh, uh, multiple leagues and having a junior team and things like that. I think that is where you can really put your foot down and saying that if you want to play in the nationals uh, seniors, you need to have a juniors team and things like that. So, but some of these teams are a joke. They've just been assembled yeah. for the sake of being assembled. Just you see a lot of these twenty nil, eighteen nil, and all that, right? So that's just uh, crazy. Yeah. No, another thing to add to the list of. Uh, improvements the federation needs to do i think we're on uh, volume four or five on that one uh, it's ridiculous we but we'll keep adding to that uh, let's move on to the isl and just ask you the question is uh, the city group financing and support now coming to fruition you know um, judging by the team and judging by our conversation two weeks back we thought 80k were running away with this right and uh, so it's not necessarily just the money, it's about the football that they play. And uh, I mean, in the, in the few matches that City lost as well, I thought the pitch was pitch played a, a big role and uh, and they weren't being allowed to play that slick football. But once they've discovered the weight of the pass required and all that, they're just like, uh, 
uh, running running the show and of course a few quote uh, refereeing blunders i mean not yeah, a few there were a couple of shockers yeah very very bad shockers here and there i thought that um, red card for deepak tangri was unbelievably bad and so mm-hmm. you keep your you see and yesterday i think ortiz got a red card and that was very bizarre because we saw a similar push uh, from hugo bumu get a yellow card and today it's a red card so it's just very strange and the inconsistency is uh, but, uh, bizarre refereeing is poor but, all around anyway but in terms yeah, of exactly. the performance of um, mumbai and- I, i like the fact that uh, city sort of proved us wrong to the big players has uh, you know made an impression and uh, uh, the likes of pipin and everybody are also looking to be part of the uh, i mean they they feel at home and they're slowly clicking so i think it was just a matter of warming up for them and they're playing uh, pretty much the same team as well yeah it's the same team same team they've got a very healthy bunch there so that that also helps i think in terms of the players knowing each other and what they're expected to do in terms of atk i did worry about this to be very honest i thought the balance was missing in the midfield with all these attacking players being thrown forward by habas in the initial system so i think uh, that's slowly uh, backfiring and i think yes um, yes i was in the one one against chennai yeah i i couldn't uh, watch yeah yeah but yeah one one but i think uh, uh, slowly they are uh, realizing that the shape is very important to how how they need to be successful i think it will take a couple of more matches but i think abbas will i am sort of uh, optimistic on that front in terms of him discovering a good balance there because they have the personnel it's not like they don't have players to change the system or anything i think he thought he could just you know run over all these teams with his attacking prowess he realized that's not really happening so i think he will slowly uh, tweak the system uh, but that result against mumbai that's going to take some recovering Yeah, it's a bit. I mean, it's 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 how it is in Indian football in some sense. It's not like uh, uh, see Mumbai has had like uh, strange defeats, and uh, um, FC Goa is playing like. What is going like, wrong? I was going to ask you about Goa, and I was in, in a way I was looking at the men's Santos Trophy qualifiers, and Gujarat coming out of that group, which I never in a million years expected. um yeah, is this so, a reflection of what's happening in goa football because you rate it i really. don't think i don't think it's it's like in one year you change right because yes last year we were talking about how goa is like the yeah. the place for football right now so i don't think goa football is struggling per se fc goa i think it's in a transition it's not that bad i think i think they will find their way somehow uh but yesterday i was a little disappointed i mean bfc versus fc goa was a horrible match i did get to watch the entire 90 minutes and i was like really disappointed bfc lacked any sort of control and goa i thought didn't keep the ball really well they had the ability uh, so bfc would make a wayward pass goa would get it goa will try to play this one two and by the midfield it's gone again and it's not gone because bangalore defenders were really nice or they had like a midfielder making a super tackle it's just some unforced errors happening across the uh, football field it's very difficult match to consume uh, added uh, i mean and referees did not help at all but it was just very very bad football match and to think that these two teams were our pick yeah for, like uh, top, top four honest, yeah i think uh, and also like for the last 3 years i think we've been doing this uh, preview for what two seasons three seasons now this i think we've always yeah. 
this is the third and we've always mentioned these two in our top four so two of the more, more consistent teams doing this was just it was horrible i mean if that's the one match that people saw in isl they'll be like i'm not watching this league again <laughs> but it is a strange season when you talk when you think about it because not only we talked about it last show in terms of the goals and they've continued the number of goals and you alluded to the fact that you know the defenses are not what they would have been in the past because of the player restrictions in in a, in a certain way but also in terms of um, the big teams not uh, having you know normally they'd yeah. be there already even if it's a quarter of the way of the season um you can see either, like you say, it's a transition, or do you think this is now becoming a bit of a, a leveler in terms of the football uh, with Orisha and with Jamshedpur and Chennai? Because you see unusual names in the top four at the moment, and they deserve yeah. to be there after their they, performances. Absolutely. But we did we did mention how Hyderabad, Odisha, and Chennai uh, um, and uh, Jamshedpur will they had the teams. It's just a matter of whether they will, uh, you know, work out a strategy to get them to win matches. They obviously, I mean, even last year I thought... But we also said, you know, the financial clout of BFC, ATK. I mean, that that counts for a bit. So, so I think this is a clear example of top managements taking their foot off the pedal. I mean, for all the uh, talk about, you know, City Group spending a lot of money, they didn't. They, uh, they got a Poya, but like it's not like they went and bought like 10 different players in the summer. Or they, they haven't. And um, ATK did spend a little, uh, but then they lost somebody like a Sandesh Jingan as well. So it's not like they had to, you know, bring some changes because when you I don't know if he would have played as much anyway. That, that's that's another, uh, <laughs> another story. But um, And so if you see, um, in terms of spending, I think Bangalore has brought in players, but not really... What do you say, uh, marquee players in any sense, right? Because even before Roy Krishna entered India, we were all like, oh my God, Roy Krishna is coming. Because he had the stats to back it up, somebody who's bound to be lethal. So, um, I think it's just a general um, general sense of what ha- what is happening to Indian football. I think it's in a lull, it's devoid of creativity, it's devoid of leadership. And I think that's reflecting in the football that we are seeing as well. There's no... No, no freshness to that product. It's very dull to watch. It's the commentary is, uh, I mean, no offense to anybody, but like the commentary is also bland. Everything seems like very performative. Mm. It doesn't feel like a, an actual football tournament where something is at stake. Everything feels like it's like a TV serial that's just going on because, you know, we got commissioned for another series, so let's just do another series. But it feels like that. It doesn't feel like a proper football tournament at all. Well, if it was a, a soap opera, I think this would be the final season by the sound of it yeah. in terms of the interest. But uh, somebody's interest I'm really worried about, and um, I think we spoke about this last time, East, East Bengal uh, languishing at the bottom, uh, can't find a win at the moment, um, letting in goals. With that sort of fan base, I mean, is there a re- this is, goes back to my first question about young people losing interest in football. We know how passionate football is in that city uh, and how passionate those fans are, especially the older generation who continue the tradition. And to see a club of that stature struggling in this league again, it's, it, it's really sad. It is, it is. I mean, I'm not an East Bengal fan, but I feel bad for them. Exactly, that, exactly. Same yeah, with me. It's just, it's just, it's like, 
um, you don't want such clubs. I I sort of wish that they sort of stayed in the I League mm. for all its flaws and all its. It would still have connected. It would still be Mohan Bagan as we know it. It would still be his Bengal as we as we know it. And they had enough numbers and fans to just run it somehow. I mean, basically said and done, of course. But ISL has got it, and they don't belong in ISL. They are not a, a packaged club. They are a people's club. So. Uh, to see them this way, and I think East Bengal came in, but they didn't get the kind of financial assistance that is required to run the show in ISL. So they are also a little confused. They don't know who to buy. Most of their purchases seem to be very panic-driven than like actually a sensible moves. So I mean, they might. I mean, we might talk this, and today they might end up winning. But that that aside, it's just um, you know. It, it, I think it goes goes back to the overall lack of spark and creativity that we've been talking about. It's just dull. Nobody knows what's happening. But well, I, before this call, we had this conversation about uh, somebody was creating an app for him, and we were both sitting and wondering, is it worth doing it? Because you know, the fans seem to have given up. The Twitter conversations are dry. I kid you not. Even if you say something very provocative, nobody wants to. Uh, click, you know, bite the bait. You know, it's like okay, it's true. Whatever. Well, I've reached out a couple of um, um, uh, East Bengal fans and uh, get them on the show and see what they think. Uh, it'd be good to get them on and get their Absolutely. views. It'll be really interesting. In fact, I think you should get more Bengal fans as well. Yeah, I'm sure I'm they not also sure about, have a lot of. I think they might have a few uh, similar views on the certain things at the moment, um, which will be good. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, absolutely. it's something I'm working. It'd be on. nice to see East Bengal and uh, Mohan Bagan fans join hands. <laughs> <laughs> I did have them on one show back in the day. I think. Oh, what, no, it wasn't on the same show. It was one after the other. It was um, from the Blue <laughs> Pilgrims, and uh, you oh, know, yeah. I was saying that um, a sort of a neutral shirt would be at that time the ATK shirt. And they said, never in a million years would we wear an ATK shirt. Because, you know, it says if you can't wear each other's shirts and you can't sit together, maybe wearing that ATK shirt. And that they was might, it. They might as well wear uh, a Kolkata Knight Riders <laughs> instead of wearing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but another people's club that's struggling at the moment and um, is uh, moving to Europe is Barcelona. And we saw them now this week uh, fall out of the Champions League, go into the what we would have said, dreamland of Europa League, but that's a different conversation. And you talk about a people's club, and that's a people's club that is being affected by being a people's club because of the rules around finances and uh, what have you. It's a sad state of affairs that you think, how are they going to get out of it without... Because you need money power at the moment. And the way they're structured, which is a proper way, a fan-controlled, in a way, club, uh, but... If you're a fan-controlled club relying on membership, you're not going to be able to compete against the big boys. I mean, I agree and disagree. Uh, so you have a system there. If you look at, say, um, Athletic Bilbao, for example, that's a club that's on profit for like years. If no, but their years. expectations are different. Yeah, true. What I'm trying to say is that... Um, it's, it's Barcelona. They've got La Masia. And uh, they've got like, uh, they can sign all young players in the world if they, you know, put out a very wide scouting system. They just sat on their laurels and refused to adapt to the changing times. I think without changing the system itself, you could have sold players for better money. Uh, you could have handled the Messi deal a lot better. You, you just 
you know let it stagnate and ruin the team forever there are these uh, if it's a people's club and they can't afford it why were they you know getting griezmann and dembele yeah. and every putinho and all that 500 million that they so i think it's unfair to blame the structure for it i would really blame the people who are in charge for these decision making they made like a lot of decisions which i think needs to be investigated if there's some other agenda behind it because it's no way you could have run down a club like that and i know they were trying to you know compensate for neymar and all that but that neymar's 200 million was just too wasted it was wasted, it it was wasted. wasted. But I go back to the structure in the sense that they do have the elections for the president who controls and runs pretty much everything to do with the club. And they elected that president who went down the financial way rather than looking at the youth teams, which was their normal way of doing things. And to get back that, I know you say you can attract a lot of youth players now, but there's a lot of really good academies that these top, top clubs have now. And you can see a pathway that if you go to that academy, you will get into the first team if you're good enough. So they're going to be. Yeah, Barcelona, but but I think Barca just sat there thinking everybody's going to come to Spain. Um, but they're like a big, uh, big super tanker to turn this around now. It, it's going to be a bit of a job. I, I mean, you see them right. at the moment. They're out it's of going the to take La Liga. Some time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take some time for sure. But they have only themselves to play, and they have a brand name that should be enough to, you know, you get the right people to do it. I think they can do it. I don't think it's that desperate. But the problem is they're going to sit and cry. Instead of you know finding an answer for it, then it's not going to work out because you know look at Uruguay for example. It's a small country that produces phenomenal footballers forever. Yeah. Um, and if you if you you know recruit a kid from Uruguay to come to Barcelona, I'm sure like 99% of them still come. Because they don't they don't generally like making the transition to England directly. They like going to a, a Spanish uh, a Latin or club a first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is still a lot for them to do. They're still a huge brand. So, if I mean, if if you're telling me all these top business people, MBAs, and all those guys can't figure out and um, you know way to rescue Barcelona, it's like one of the biggest names in football. I mean, I refuse to you know sympathize with them. And they had, I mean, this is all they're doing. It's not like somebody else came and ruined it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it is yeah. self-inflicted, and um, but it's sad to see. And um, it's just one of the uh, just going back to the you know we. I start, started this little bit segment off with East Bengal and the People's Club there and we see this huge world brand struggling at the moment with all that support. I mean, there's a couple of things going for them. One, like you said, the huge brand, the huge support in that city um, and the fact that they're playing in a league where there's probably other two, three teams that they need to compete against rather than uh, a lot more. So, but it's, uh, I think it's, the, the problem with being a fan club and like being about Barca DNA and all that, is sometimes there is also a compulsion to play these players. If if uh, if an Ansu Fati is not ready, but then because he is a La Masia product, you have to play them. If a Pedri is not ready, and then you have to uh, play them. That also has, I think, contributed to the whole. You know, you have to, uh, you know, you have to take one tough road. I mean, get these hardworking midfielders from Uruguay or Argentina and all see all those Latin countries have a lot of good footballers and I think somewhere in between they they were neither La Masia oriented mm. nor were they you know getting the good players from abroad so yeah but a lot of pressure it. now they pop back the president from uh, Laporte who was uh, in his heyday uh, won all the trophies and there was a fantastic documentary when he first won the election 
um, and how he came and how he changed the uh, club then. And they brought back a legend, which it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Um, he's come through the system, but a lot of pressure on Javi now. Um, you know what happens with legends. Um, this is the problem. This is exactly the problem with Barcelona. I think I'm telling you, they again went back to a legend. They now put more pressure on him. So mm. you can't sack a legend. There will be a lot of fans who would be upset if you question him. Bring another professional who can see through this. No, I mean, I, I would even say somebody like a Louis Van Gaal would have made a lot more sense because, you know, he, he's, I mean, he might be old, but a Van Gaal equivalent somewhere. Uh, and just get through the grit, the, the difficult phase, and then bring somebody else. I think they brought in Xavi at the, uh, a very wrong time. Yeah, and we'll see. I don't honestly care so much about Barcelona. It's not a club that I like. So. No, no, but it's, it's one of those names that we grew, uh, grew up watching and love watching. And uh, it's a shame that they are where they are. And I was hoping that we'd Chelsea, get them. Uh, as a Chelsea fan, I have like a, a few <laughs> bad memories with the club. So well, you're not the I'm only you're not the only club uh, that's got bad memories of playing Barcelona. Uh, but... Um, uh, what I was going to say is that, um, you know, you mentioned the legend that Xavi's come back and uh, another legend that won a trophy again for the seventh time. Was seventh? I don't know how many times. Ballon d'Or, uh, while we're off, uh, Lionel Messi. Uh, decision that didn't go down too well here in the UK, I have to be honest. And I was surprised that he won it because I didn't think he'd done too much in the last couple of years. Um, and I, th I thought uh, Lewandowski definitely deserved it, in my opinion. Um, what did you think of that uh, award? Again, I mean, if, if I were Lewandowski, I'd be thinking, what more can I possibly do? Well, you're funny, you should say that. Mohamed Salah said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it, like literally score all kind of goals, score like 50 goals and still not win it means it's really and it's not like Bayern didn't achieve anything in the last two years as well. They've been a very successful side. and uh, So, yeah, it's just... But with these votes and with these uh, awards, these things are bound to happen. A lot of politics being played around it. Um, I think even Ronaldo say, was put out by this year's decision. Yeah, um, no, apparently Ronaldo was upset that he didn't win it. So, it's just... I think at, at some point... My own experience with uh, working with professional footballers is that all of them think they're the best. <laughs> I think that's what they drive. I mean, it is part of their DNA. I mean, if you talk to somebody who's on the bench, they'll be constantly complaining about how they are better than the people playing. And they will also convince you. It's not just a rant. They will really convince you because they are super convinced about it themselves. And so, you know... If that is what is happening to a reserve player in an Indian league, I can't imagine what is the kind of drive that likes of Ronaldo have. So, um, of yeah. course, he yeah, very strange, and uh, like I said, it didn't go down too well here in the UK. Um, but moving to the UK, do you still think it's a three-horse race for the Premier League? I mean, the your your boys have had a bit of a stutter, and a the few couple of questions being asked. I think sooner Chelsea can get back and go to Kante and Kovacic, I think that will really decide whether Chelsea is going to be there in the top three. Because I think uh, the midfield has been all over the place and that's really affected the defence balances. And I think Chelsea's foundation was on a solid defence. And now that's all over the place. We've been conceding two, three goals in almost all these matches. Uh, so that that's going to be a crucial factor. And I think 
Lukaku's also really like lost. He's on his way back at the moment, isn't he? Ah, it's just uh, I mean maybe maybe it's a fitness or something, but he's just not moving at all. I was watching the match against uh, Zenith, and he was just he was just like shouting, "Hey, why is the ball not coming to me?" And he's not really moving himself. And I think the best Chelsea has played under Tuchel has sort of had like a very dynamic front play. Uh, made me Tavares, Pulisic, Werner, all of them were like runners. So um, I think that'd be very interesting to see how they fit in Lukaku also in the long run. Because I mean, in summer I thought he was the answer to the the, the final piece of the jigsaw. I still think he but will be. He's coming back from an injury, so hopefully. But like uh, the problem with not having a, a front man who doesn't run uh, is that. There is an extra pressure on the other two to cover up uh, the wide person, and I think Werner should be playing more matches because I think he's a natural forward. He, he, he just can't score. Yeah, he just can't score, but it's it's still okay. Like mm. he, I mean, I think he contributes enough to justify a place in that team because of his running. But the problem is, he's one time he's a runner who drives into a space, and then if Lukaku is ahead of him, that space doesn't exist because yeah. as a defender. In the line with Lukaku, so it, it's going to be very interesting for Tuchel to figure this out. But I think uh, I thought Man City. I don't know if you caught the Man City game. I thought they were lucky yesterday in that win. I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I just saw. I heard it. You talk about bad decisions in the ISL. That was a atrocious decision to send off uh, the Wolves player. Um, he got two yellow cards within a minute or something. Uh, for a tackle that shouldn't have been a yellow card, then the other one he wouldn't move away from the free kick. Uh, so he got a second yellow card straight away afterwards. And obviously, ten man against Man City going to struggle. But even the penalty wasn't a penalty that was given, uh, even though he went to VAR. Uh, so big clubs always get these decisions. And uh, I thought Chelsea were also lucky to just eke out a, a, a victory against uh, Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, Leeds are a very, very hard team to beat. Uh, they lose, but they are a tough team to beat. They're um, annoying. They're just pressing, pressing all the yeah. time. Right? I think Dan James has been a very interesting recruit for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a solid runner. He, he, he should have been at Leeds, what, two, three years ago? When he was at, uh, he was in that, when he was at Swansea. He was, he was there signing on the day. I think he pretty much signed, but then the deal didn't go through last minute. And it's in a, in a documentary around Leeds as well on Amazon that's really good. Another uh, another question that came up yesterday on the back of uh, Liverpool's win was Mo Salah getting that penalty and his reputation as a bit of a, a diver. Um, where do you stand on that? Because it, I thought it was a penalty, but he bought it. Uh, but that's clever. It's a thin line between diving and clever striker. Yeah, I mean, I've always been of the opinion that Mo Salah does go the extreme in terms of winning those penalties. I thought it was very light. But the problem is, how do you, you know, when you're a VAR, if there is a touch that is technically a penalty, mm. but it's a very light touch. So, I think as a VAR, you can't go against the referee's decision in these cases. Yeah. Uh, unless it's, I mean, it's a clear and uh, obvious error. So, I think, I think that is what, so if the referee had not called it a penalty, I don't think the AR is going to come and say give it a penalty. It's one of those uh, tricky ones. But yeah, Salah, to be honest, is very fast. So, sometimes a push. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Yeah. yeah. So, that's also there. But I think both Salah and Mane 
they do really look for those uh, yeah. any sort of touch. Uh, Mane also does it a lot. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm it's it's a very thin line between being a very clever. I mean, it's uh, annoying for our opposition fans. Exactly. Yeah, um, and just to end the, today's show on its flu part, just what the time was, and about expectations as fans that we have, and um, I just want to share what's happened here in Leicester in terms of um, we're now in the European Conference League. Something that everybody was decrying before that that is the graveyard of European football. I personally don't think so. I mean, it's a European trophy at the end of the day. But there was talk, there was quite vocal talk on the forums about Brendan Rodgers and whether he should stay as a manager. And I'm thinking people need a reality check in terms of, you know, expectations. Yeah, we finished fifth the last two seasons, but we are, we did overachieve. And it, it just it goes back to you know some of the fans that jump on board and uh, these the keyboard warriors. It does it does beggars belief. I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this on people's expectations of clubs they follow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Les is doing okay for what is been going through. I think sometimes people forget what Leicester. I mean, where Leicester was say ten years back. Mm. Or like say 15 years back, I think considering all things and so it's a well-run club and all things going right. Unfortunate injuries and I think a few signings here and there in the team is going to be back. Uh, if not challenging for the top three, then at least in the in the top six, top eight for sure. And I, I, I still think they can do it this season. So it's not that bad at all. I think I think fans generally are very reactionary. I saw a lot of tweets calling for Tuchel to be sacked. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he just win like a Champions League, like say, a few months back? So, fans are reactionary. I think some of these fans are reactionary for getting engagement on Twitter and platforms like that. Mm. And you said that about Arsenal fan TV and all that. Just say one thing today and tomorrow is like, you know, two self president. So, uh, I, I think it's very extreme that way. But uh, I, think, uh, I think it's a words that Brendan Rodgers said something about overachieving yeah. that a lot of fans could digest hmm. maybe you could have rephrased it but it's just going back to the chante point right like you can't expect managers and players to be so perfect and diplomatic all the time they will make you that's what they are they are winners and they i mean they've achieved what they have by saying it as it is so yeah well it is just... straight after the show i'm off to uh, the king power well not straight to the king power just meeting a few friends and it'll be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like because it's not going to be easy against newcastle they had their first win last week um and they seem to be well they've always had good attacking players but uh, you know the defense was dodgy so it'll be interesting i'm sure there'll be a bit of nervousness if, especially if we go down a goal which we seem to on a regular basis uh, so it'll be um, it'll be interesting. I'm actually looking forward to the draws tomorrow for the um, the playoffs for the, uh, the, the and Roma are in it. Mourinho's teams in uh, the conference and Tottenham should be out. I think their game's not going to be played. The, the results going to be decided by a, a, a UEFA somehow. But I think that'll go against them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the atmosphere is like at the King Power. A win. I will we'll... go for one of those away matches. Yeah, I was looking, apart from the one in Azerbaijan, I think there's a team, Karabakh. They've only got a 5,000-seater stadium, but the other ones are really, really nice places. That if we get a good draw, yeah, looking forward to that. And um, 
I think in the quarterfinals, Roma will be there. So I was looking forward to Barcelona in, because they would win in the playoffs in the year. <laughs> but maybe next year. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens at the King Power later today. Um, you've got a busy day, busy week ahead as always. As always, yes. I think there's an ISL match coming today. I'm wearing the jersey for it. So. Oh, well, the Blaster is playing today, of course. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, Nevin, the time has actually flown by. I really enjoy the conversation again. Um, thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again um, next week. Next week. Yes. Take care, my friend. Bye. Bye.